Hello and welcome to the Big Big Ten Football Show. I'm your host, Daniel Mogo, bringing you the Big Bets edition for week six. Last week we finished three and one to improve the record to 17 and nine on the season. Let's jump right in with our big bet of the week, our B1G bet. Last week, uh, we were 1-0, 6-4 on the season on our big bets. And this week, we're going with the Maryland Terrapins, plus 21 going into Columbus. I think if there's a game this week that there will be an overreaction from of one week of football, just one week of football, you know, I don't know what it was. I did not see a look-ahead line for this game. There was not a preseason line for this game, but I would have loved to have known what the line was last Friday for uh, this week's game between Maryland and Ohio State because the Buckeyes are coming off their second of back-to-back blowout wins. First, it was Akron, 59-7. to Last week, they thumped Rutgers 52-13. to one of our winners last week. I believe that was our biggest bet last week. Meanwhile, Maryland is coming off a 51-14 loss against Iowa Friday night, had the stage to themselves for all of the college football world to see. I mean, really, how could there not be an overreaction after those two results. I'm sure as soon as I said Maryland plus 21, you probably are thinking, this guy is crazy. How's he taking Maryland? They just got crushed by Iowa and against Ohio State, who's finally looking great. Well, here's a little reality check. Rutgers, I've been telling you this, they're the worst team in the Big Ten East. Akron, who Ohio State played the week before, is one of the worst teams in all of college football. They're number 126 out of 130 in SP+, Bill Connolly's SP+. Now the Terps, yes, it was a poor performance against Iowa. They're still a solid football team, folks. Don't let that undo the first four weeks of the season. This is still a pretty good team. I think Talia Tagovailoa is still a good quarterback. I think there's a better chance, there's a better chance that Talia bounces back from last week's game where he threw five interceptions. That's right, five interceptions. They had seven turnovers. I think there's a better chance he bounces back and plays better, not just this week, but for the remainder of the season. Weeks one through four, according to PFF, he had zero interception-worthy throws. So I think he's going to bounce back. I think that's more the real Talia, and I think that's more of a realistic projection then assuming that Ohio State coincidentally fixed all of their defensive problems when they played Rutgers and Akron, who rank 110th and 111th in college football in yards per play. So, was it that they really just, you know, flipped the switch and fixed everything? Or maybe they just played two pretty stinky teams, and now they're going to face a much more difficult offense that will challenge them, that can throw the ball down the field, that has offensive playmakers in Maryland. When I'm tiering Big Ten teams, I have Maryland in the same tier as Michigan State, as a as a Nebraska. And if 
you would not lay 21 against those teams. You should not want to lay 21 against Maryland. I believe the line would not be uh, as high against either one of those teams. So I think there's value here off of last week with Maryland getting three touchdowns, looking to bounce back. Now we move on to our bigger bet last week, 1-1, one 7-4 and one, seven and four on the season. I'm going to lay the 1.5 with the Iowa Hawkeyes against Penn State in Kinnick Stadium. We have two damn good defenses, but I kind of like Iowa's better. And there's a perception out there that they are only opportunistic. They're plus 12 turnover mar- margin, which leads the country. And I may have been part of the you know people perpetuating that perception. And it's not all wrong. Obviously, I think when you're going to, they're not going to be plus 30 something on the season, but this is a byproduct in some respect of Phil Parker's scheme. Because over the past four seasons before this year, they had 64 interceptions, which led all Power 5 teams. So that doesn't paint the entire picture of how good this defense actually is it's not just an opportunistic defense it's a damn good defense that's tough to move the ball against Matt Hankins and Riley Moss are outstanding um, cornerbacks they fit this scheme they fit the zone coverage they are the highest rated corners according to PFF and that zone scheme is part of the reason why they do get so many interceptions because everybody is facing the quarterback you don't know DBs have their backs to the quarterback uh, looking away, looking at the receiver. Everybody is lined up facing the quarterback, which means overthrows, tipped passes. There's more eyes on the ball, and that leads to more potential turnovers. But it's not just a bend-don't-break defense. You can't move the ball against this defense. Um, you know, at linebacker, Jack Campbell was a guy that people talked about having a potential breakout year, uh, stepping up this season. He's been playing like an All-American, 46 tackles, a sack, four pass breakups, a force fumbled, two fumble recoveries. The youngster, Justin Jacobs, is looking like a legit NFL prospect. Uh, we knew the back seven would be strong. The question with the Hawkeyes going into the season was an unproven defensive line, but that's turned into a strength as well. So now we're learning more about this Hawkeyes team, and we're seeing that they are strong on all three levels. The quartet of Zach Van Valkenburg, who has five tackles for Noss, Lucas Van Ness, who has four sacks, Joe Evans, how'd you get there, Joe Evans? Three sacks with these names. And John Wagoner has three and a half tackles for a loss. This unit is, they bring it. They bring it. And talk about those names. I mean, can you get more Iowa football than Van Valkenburg, Van Ness, and Wagoner? It's like, you know, they brought these guys over from Germany. You, you can imagine they probably all have blonde hair, corn-fed, Big, strong guys. Well, these guys make plays. They get into the backfield. But I'm going to go a little further with Iowa this week and say what puts me over the top, what makes me want to put my money on the line and take the Hawkeyes against what is a good Penn State team and also a pretty good Penn State defense 
is the fact that I like the way the Iowa offense is trending. They're getting better each and every week. Neither one of these teams has run the ball the way they want to. They haven't been able to do so consistently. So I wouldn't be surprised if both have trouble on Saturday. But after a rocky start to a season, Iowa quarterback Spencer Petras, who has a nice arm, has been getting better and better. The last three games, he's seen his yardage improve each game. Over those three games, after struggling to complete half his passes in the first two games, he's been over 65% in each of the past three games with his completion percentage. And he's got six touchdowns to one interception. We're also seeing more weapons emerge in the passing game. A pair of redshirt freshman wideouts, Keegan Johnson and Arlen Bruce the fourth. They're starting to make plays in the past two weeks. And the reason I bring them up is because these are two four-star guys. Iowa's not a team that gets a lot of four-stars. So you notice when those four-stars at this young age start already making plays. So you figure those guys are just going to continue to improve. Conversely, I keep hearing about how Penn State's quarterback Sean Clifford is playing well. I don't see it. I think he looks iffy in his two Big Ten games. He's only 35 of 66, completing 53% of his passes. Um, You know, yes, he made some big throws in the second half against Wisconsin, but the Badgers let them stay in that game. And last week, he really didn't make throws until Penn State, you know, had a comfortable lead, mostly because of the defense, because Indiana was shut out in that game. So I I think I I don't trust him on the road against a good defense like Iowa's. One more point coming into the season, James Franklin was just one and nine. One and nine on the road against ranked teams. Now, I knew this stat before the season. I still didn't take the Badgers. I probably should have taken took in Penn State, but even though I knew this and I wasn't high on Penn State, I still didn't like Wisconsin. I thought that line was too big, but this week I do like Iowa. Yes, they did get that W in week one about Wisconsin, but really at this point in the season, don't you think that might be, just might be a little more about Wisconsin than it was about Penn State, that is James Franklin and Penn State getting that road win in week one in Madison. All right, from our Bigger bet, let's move on to our biggest bet, which we won last week. That was uh, Ohio State against Rutgers. 5-1 on our biggest bets on the season. And I'm going to go not directly to Madison because the game is in Champaign, but I'm going to the Wisconsin Badgers. That's right. I'm going to the Badgers who are only 1-3 on the season. The line is 10.5. The offense has not looked good, but I'm telling you, this is not a bad football team. They still might be one of the best 25 to 35 football teams in America. The metrics like them, the numbers people like them. SP Plus has Wisconsin ranked number 10 in the country. Don't forget, two of their losses are against top 10 teams in Michigan and in Penn State, and Notre Dame is not shabby either. But the biggest reason why I'm still high on Wisconsin, not high on Wisconsin, but why I'm not uh, so low on them and why the numbers are still giving them a lot of respect is their defense is one of the best in college football. That's just a fact. This is a Jim Leonard-led defense. He's a great 
defensive coordinator. They are the toughest team in college football to run on. That's in a yards per game basis, 45 yards only per game they allow. That's also on a yards per carry basis, 1.62 yards per carry. And opposing quarterbacks are only completing 55.8% of their passes against Wisconsin's defense. Now they're going to go against an Illinois team that we know desperately needs to run the football. They will not be able to run the football. What are they going to do? Air it out with Brandon Peters? Who's completing 49% of his passes? I'm telling you, folks, a shutout is possible on Saturday. Let's go back to that Wisconsin offense because this is the week to get it right. Penn State, Michigan both have top defenses, Penn State, uh, top 15 defenses. Penn State's probably a top 10 defense. Meanwhile, Illinois, we're talking about outside of the top 100 on several categories. One of the worst among Power 5 teams in all of college football. They're allowing 6.1 yards per play, which is 13th in the Big Ten. That's out of 14 teams, in case you don't know. That's some Dan Splaining for you there. And they're nearly a full yard worse than the next team, the team that's 12th. I think they're allowing 5.3 yards per play. And if not for Northwestern's historic collapse last week against Nebraska, the worst game ever, the worst defensive game ever by a Pat Fitzgerald team, then Illinois probably would be last. So this is the get right week for the Wisconsin offense, for the Wisconsin program. This is a proud team. This is a coach that's used to winning and being successful. The whole staff is. There's also good news as both Graham Mertz, the quarterback, and tight end Jake Ferguson, arguably their best offensive player are expected to play on Saturday. They've been upgraded from questionable to probable. That was earlier today. Uh, that may be why the line has ticked up in some places. I may have gotten at a better number than 10.5, and, and I know there's some 11s floating out there. But I think because they're of their record at 1-3, and, and don't forget, they could have easily beaten Penn State. They had numerous red zone opportunities early to take a lead, late to come back. And Notre Dame, remember they were leading that game in the fourth quarter before Notre Dame had a kickoff return for a touchdown and two interceptions for touchdowns. They easily could have won those two games against ranked teams. So I think because of that, we're getting great value because the preseason number for this game was 17 and a half, and now it's down to 10 and a half. That's a full touchdown value that we're getting because a couple of games that could have gone either way went the wrong way for the Badgers, and we will cash in on that. We will take advantage of that, won't we? And this is a special week. This is a special week, folks. I have not just one, but two, two biggest bets for you here in week six as we really get into conference play. And I'm going with, you know where I'm going. You know where I'm going. The Michigan Wolverines, that's right. I've been on Michigan since week one. Every single week of the season, they've come through for us in four out of the five weeks, and I think they're going to do it again. And this does feel like a little bit of a Joe Public pick in that I'm taking a top 10 team that's undefeated, laying only three and a half points against an unranked team with three losses. It feels like, wow, this line should be bigger. I thought this line was going to be bigger. I thought this was going to be a game I might pass. Because I assumed it would be eight, eight and a half points in that range, at least seven. And I think this might be a tough game. But with this number, 
They're begging me to get to bet Michigan, and you don't have to beg me. You just got to ask politely, and I will do it. This team has exceeded expectations so far. They started the season unranked, season win total of 7.5. Now they're 5-0, and ranked in the top 10. Meanwhile, on the other side, you have Nebraska, who's 3-3, three and three, after opening the season with a season win total of 6.5. So, I mean, more or less... They're kind of where they're supposed to be. Yet, a preseason line that had Michigan 2.5 has only moved to 3.5. Now, the Huskers, granted, I'll give you this. This is, like I said, I don't think this is necessarily going to be an easy one, although Michigan might pull away at the end. The Huskers have been playing well. They've looked good the past two weeks, maybe even three weeks if you throw in the Oklahoma game. But you got to be fair because we're saying Oklahoma doesn't look any good. So if you're saying Oklahoma doesn't look any good and you lose to Oklahoma, are you really playing that good in that game? But the past two weeks, they have looked good. Overtime loss at Michigan State, a game they could have, should have, maybe should have won. Blew out Northwestern last week. Um, They could be underrated because of their record. Only 3-3 really haven't had an impressive win. Do have a bad loss in Illinois. Yes, all those things are untrue. But I don't think they've been more undervalued than Michigan, who in the four games that they've covered, not won, but covered, they've covered the spread by more than two touchdowns in four of the five games. Every time they've covered, they've covered easily. You've, you, you had a two-touchdown cushion, and you would still cover when the final score was put up. Now, the big difference for me, the reason I'm still bullish against uh, Nebraska for Michigan, even though I've been talking up Nebraska a little bit the past two weeks, is we had them in those two games. We had them in those two games the last two weeks. Um, getting the points against Michigan State, laying the points against Northwestern. I think the reason is, is the trenches. The battle in the trenches. Michigan will win it on both sides of the ball. They pressured Wisconsin's quarterbacks on two-thirds of their pass plays last week on their way to six sacks, a forced fumble, and a knocked-out quarterback, courtesy of do-everything, hard-hitting, blitzing safety Daxton hill a potential, you know, first-round pick, definitely at least a day-two pick. None of the sacks of the six came courtesy of Aiden Hutchinson, who's looking like a top-ten pick and playing like a monster coming off the edge. He's looking like the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year through five games. He he didn't have any last week. Still has five-and-a-half on the season, but they still got six without him getting through. David Ajabu is the breakout guy. He had the big strip sack against Rutgers the week before, last week against Wisconsin, two and a half sacks. The duo is really flourishing in their role in Mike McDonald's defense, which he brought over from the Baltimore Ravens, a 3-4 scheme, which puts their athletes, their athletic edge rushers, stands them up as outside linebackers and lets them get after the quarterback. As I mentioned, Hutchinson has five and a half sacks and a forced fumble. Ajabu, three and a half sacks on the season and two Force fumbles. Meanwhile, they're going to go against an offensive line that is not as good as Wisconsin's offensive line. No, the Huskers have allowed a Big Ten high 18 sacks this season. Yeah, they've played an extra game. To be fair, they've played an extra game. Only seven teams out of 130 have allowed more sacks than they have. But even if you just do it on a sack per game basis, they've allowed three sacks per game. That is 112th nationally and the worst in the Big Ten. And you couple that with Adrian Martinez's penchant for turning the ball over, including fumbles, 
I think it spells trouble for Nebraska. Now, when Michigan has the ball, they've only allowed one sack all season and the fewest tackles for a loss. Just 11 all year. All year they've allowed 11 tackles for loss. And that's despite playing defenses that are good at getting into the offensive backfield, which Nebraska is. But they shut down Wisconsin's ability to get into the backfield. They only allowed two tackles for loss against Wisconsin. That's the same Wisconsin defense that had 20 combined against Notre Dame and Penn State. Rutgers, who has 29 tackles for loss in their four non-Michigan games, was slowed down by, by Michigan. So they've already faced defenses that are good at getting to the backfield, and the Michigan offensive line has absolutely shut that down, which is why I believe they will hold their own against a Nebraska defense who I think you can move the ball on them if you stay on schedule. Nebraska's defense is good when they get you off schedule and get you in the backfield, get sacks, get tackles for loss. But if they don't, and I don't think they will, I believe Michigan will be able to move the ball much better than the Huskers uh, will. It won't be easy. Last week was also not easy uh, through through the first couple of quarters, but I think eventually the Wolverines will exert their will and improve to 6-0. and Folks, those are your four plays for week six in our Big Ten Bets episode. We'll recap it. Our big bet, Maryland plus 21 against Ohio State. Scared money don't make money. Don't forget that. Bigger bets, our bigger bet, only one this week, Iowa laying the one and a half against Penn State at home in Kinnick Stadium. And then finally, for the first time all season, two biggest bets, Wisconsin laying 10 and a half over Illinois, as well as Michigan laying three and a half against Nebraska. Folks, I'm your host, Danny Mogo. This is the big Big Ten football show. Go, you know, you know what all the other podcast people tell you? Subscribe, review, it helps me. Same deal, same deal, same for everybody. Same for everybody. You know what to do. You know what to do. I, that's all I ask. That's not I'm giving you winners. Give me a little love. Give me a little love. Help me out. Let's move this up on the uh, iTunes charts there. And uh, let's keep winning some football games.